It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insights, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. And welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. This is the place to come to learn everything you want to know about franchising. So I appreciate you listening in. We have a great guest today, someone who I've been following for years and who's been a mentor to me from afar, actually. He is in a business, the side of franchising, that I'm not really in on a daily basis, and it's how to franchise your business. So we are having today Harold Kestenbaum, who's been practicing franchise law for 42 years. And he was on the board of Sabaro here in New York for 23 years. He wrote the book, I think the most important book about how to franchise your business called So You Want to Franchise Your Business. I highly recommend that book. It taught me a lot. He was also the CEO of a 95-unit franchise company, so he knows what it's like to be on the inside of a franchise. And he was selected as the eighth best franchise attorney in the United States. He's also a legal eagle. And that is through the New York, uh, New York Times, the Franchise Times. And he's also inducted into the Hall of Fame at Franchise Times. So I want to welcome Harold. Good morning, Tom. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me. No, this is awesome. We've done a few things in the past together, and the information that you bring is so insightful. I was like, you know what? We can't do enough with Harold. And my wife, Gina, was like, you got to bring Harold back on. So we're here. Good. <laughs> I appreciate I'm it. I love Gina. She's terrific. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. She'll appreciate it. I'll pass that along. <laughs> this is really interesting. So most people don't understand how to become a franchise, right? You have a great little business and there's a lot, a lot of different criteria that we think is important <laughs> to be a franchise <laughs> company. Not everybody thinks the same way we do, but... There is a lot of things that we'll talk about here now, but how, how did you get into being a, a franchise attorney? Because it's so niche. It is, and there aren't that many in the country. I Totally by accident, in 1977, it was my second job out of law school, well, actually my third, and I worked for a very small firm in Manhattan. There were two lawyers, and he was mainly a corporate and securities lawyer, and he had one client that was a public company, but it was a franchise company. And he says to me one day, he says, I need you to learn about franchising. He said, read all the books and go to the seminars, but you got to learn this. And, you know, back in 1977, you couldn't just Google franchising and get all the, all the information. You right. had to actually read a book. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I read as many books as there were out there at the time. And over a four-year period, I really liked what I saw and I enjoyed it. And in 1981, I said, you know what? I could do it on my own. What do I need him for? So I went out on my own in 1981, and I've been doing it ever since. Amazing. And, and you had a great run with Sabaro. Yes. And you had a great run with a little company called Subway, right? Am I right about that? Well, I, he's the one that wrote the, the introduction to my book, and I was very friendly with him when he was unfortunately alive. And he passed away, you know, three years ago. Yeah. But uh, Sabaro, I mean, I, I was their counsel for three, three years, and 
and sat on the board. And that was a great run because you, you sitting on the board of directors of a, of a public company and a franchise company, you really learn a lot. And, and mm. Mario Sabaro was a great teacher. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we were talking about Fred DeLuca there, who you were mentioning. Mm, right. Yeah, he's, he was a great guy and, and really changed franchising in a lot of ways, too. He did. So what makes you different than the other franchise attorneys that are out there right now? Well, for the actual reasons we just discussed, <laughs> most franchise lawyers are lawyers. They're not business people. I'm more of a business person and happen to be a lawyer. Most franchise lawyers have never, ever run a franchise company. Huh. Most of them have never sat on the board of a, of a franchise company. And, and I actually have been a franchisee for a couple of systems. One with my wife as the franchisee and one with my son as the franchisee. Huh. So I've been on both sides. I've been around the block in franchising on every end you could think of, whereas most franchise lawyers are just lawyers. They've never had the hands-on personal experience that I've had over the years. Huh. That's so cool. And and I kind of say that about myself too. Not I'm not just a franchise consultant or a franchise broker, but I've owned and operated franchises, you know, worked them, built them, sold them, crashed them, even had a major <laughs> failure. And so that's where I became a franchise expert is through a, a major failure that I had, believe it or not. But yeah, you know, I once read somewhere that if you really think about it, you rather if you're in a foxhole in a war in a battle, who do you want next to you? The guy that was in West Point or the guy that was on the field before fighting battles? Precisely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great analogy. So what does attract you to working with franchisors? Like, what do you like about it? They're, they're, you know, I like working with, they're all entrepreneurs, you know, at least the, the ones that I don't deal with, you know, the thousand unit chains. Mine are the small startup emerging companies and they're all entrepreneurs and, and, and dealing with entrepreneurs, it's it's much interest, more interesting than dealing with the corporate world because they're not mm -hmm. in the corporate world. Mario Sabara was a great uh, entrepreneur. All of my clients are entrepreneurs. None of them come from the corporate world. It's really incredible. Uh, I find that new franchisors and over the years are all like that. None of them came out of big corporations. Amazing. That, that is cool. And I think that, you know, what, what that brings to the table is kind of the spontaneity of an entrepreneur makes, makes your days interesting. Every day you wake up, you don't know what you're going to be dealing with, right? That's exactly right. That's for sure. And that takes, you know, it takes a lot to deal with that. Not everybody wants to deal with that. There's a lot of people that rather just have a job, you know, and, and know that they're going home at five o'clock and, and that's it. <laughs> so it's a choice. Oh, that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm on call seven days a week. I mean, my wife, we're, we're in the middle of watching some TV show on Netflix and at 10 o'clock I'm getting binged <laughs> with emails. I mean, she's, who's doing that? I said, I have clients on the West coast. I have, they're all over the place. So they're, right. they want to know answers. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's, there's no question about it. And, you know, today with technology, it's a little bit easier to, to handle those kind of things, but it does, again, make you accessible 24 hours a day, whether you it, want it, to be. It has its upside and its downside. There's no yeah. question about it. That's for sure. And I, this is kind of putting you on the spot a little bit, but I know that you do like meetings right in your office, like on a quarterly basis, which I, I've been to a few of them and I absolutely love them because they're just full of, chock full of knowledge. Is that something that anybody could attend? Yeah, or is it I have them. Well, I don't do them quarterly anymore. It was getting too much. So I do them twice a year. I do them in the, in the spring and in the fall. They're really for franchisors primarily. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of vendors that come who are friends of mine, like yourself, 
but most of them are franchisors and we really deal with franchisor issues. But if there's any franchisors out there, they're certainly welcome to come. Yeah. And that, and that's great. And it's right on Long Island and yes. it's easy to get to from, you know, either LaGuardia or from, I would prefer Islip. Islip, sure. <laughs> Coming Absolutely. out of Southwest is, makes it easy. But it's chock full of information and I highly encourage any, you know, we have we do have a lot of franchisors that listen in to this show. So I encourage you uh, men and women to make a trip and, and contact Harold. And, and while I'm on that subject, what is the best way to contact you so we don't wait till the end? You can contact me via email. The email address is hkestenbaum, K-E-S-T-E-N-B-A-U-M, at hlkpc.com. Or you can call my office. It's 516 516- Seven four five zero zero nine nine. I'm always around, and I'll put all of that info on our website, the Franchise Academy Podcast dot com. So it'll all be there. Great, yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that I loved was your book. I actually came to the <clears> book <throat> signing and everything, and it it just taught me so many things. And I got to tell you, I, I steal from it all the time as I talk to people who call me randomly and say, "Hey, I want to franchise my business," and I'm like, "Okay, why?" <laughs> and and I use a lot of your your stories about how you know when you get into a fran when you franchise your business, you're no longer in that business anymore. And I, I think that's important, mm-hmm. a very important distinction. Like if you're, you know, let's just call it a bakery. If, if you, you love baking, so you're a baker and you have this great bakery and you have lines every Sunday morning and you're like, hey, I'm going to franchise this. You're no longer a bakery. You're no longer a bakery owner. Now you're a support and sales company. Am, am I right about that? I mean, how do you feel about that? Well, it's my book. It, it talks all about that. And by the way, a lot of that came out of, the e-myth by Michael uh, Gerber. Gerber. Yeah. When you're franchising, you can't do two things at one time. You either make the pizza or you run a franchise company. If you're going to be a franchisor, you have to have somebody else making the pizza while you're running the franchise company. You've got to deal with your franchisees. You've got to train them. You've got to deal with their problems. You can't be making pizza while that's all going on. It's impossible. Right. So you're right. You have to separate and put somebody in who can do the day-to-day operations of your locations while you're running the franchise company because they are two separate businesses. You're absolutely right. One of my favorite things, and I believe it was from your book, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you said something to the effect of when you become a franchisor, it's like getting married to somebody who has like six bratty kids. Well, it becomes more than six bratty kids when you get bigger. Um, That's right. Franchisees are, are, are a unique breed. You know, they put up a lot of money and they expect a lot of things from the franchisor. And, and this is where a lot of people who come to me think they, they could take their money and then the franchisees just operates without any help and just they keep on going. Well, mm. that's not true. They pay the money, you train them, you put them in business, you get a royalty, but you got to do something for it. You got to be there when they need your help. You've okay. got to be there when they, when they have a problem. So yeah, that's why it's a separate business because when you start getting franchisees on board, they're going to have questions. They're going to have issues. They're going to have problems. You have to deal with that. You can't be making pizza or donuts while you're dealing with the franchisee problems. Right. And and they're paying you for it. So, That's right. you know, there's a big expectation that comes with that. And I always tell people that are looking to buy a franchise that, you know, when you get into it, the, the franchise is not going to flip the burgers for you. You know, you, you're going to have staff. You're, you're in there to day-to-day operation. And if you're, if you're the kind of person that thinks that you're going to get in shape just because you join a gym, 
you know, don't buy a franchise because you're not going to be successful just because you buy a franchise. You could buy into the best system out there and still fail. That's right. And, and you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll use the anecdote of my, of my son. My son is trained as a teacher. He's a phys ed teacher and he's a great golfer. He's a 10 handicap. Mm. And there was a franchise out there called TGA Golf. And we bought the franchise. I bought the franchise for him. And the purpose of the, of the company is you, you, you take little kids to teach them how to play golf in after school programs, which sounded great. And he loved it and he loved teaching and he, he was able to teach and play golf and do what he wanted to do. Problem was he wasn't a businessman. He had no marketing experience and they didn't help him. They didn't help him at all. And unfortunately mm-hmm. he didn't fa- He failed because he couldn't get enough schools to buy into his program because they didn't tell him how to go in and sign schools up. He had to learn it for himself. And that's not what you buy a franchise for. So yeah. the franchisor has to support the franchisees. There's no question about it. Yeah. And that's exactly right. And, you know, and not to get into this whole end of it, but when you're looking for a franchise, you know, the most important thing you could do is talk to franchise owners. They call it validation or mm-hmm. validation. That's right. Due diligence. Absolutely. Because that's where you're going to get the good, the bad, and the ugly straight from the horse's mouth, the people that are really doing the business. That's exactly right. You know, again, I, I love the book, So You Want to Franchise Your Business. Why did you decide to write that book? Good question. There were a lot of books written for lawyers, and there were a lot of books out there written for franchisees, but I didn't see any books written for entrepreneurs who wanted to franchise their business. And I said, you know, there should be a book out there to tell these people who want to franchise their business how to do it. And, and I actually found a writer, and she was great. I mean, the book is, is based on her being able to put down the words of all the thing, all my experience over the 40 years. And it was a great team. And we put it together so that an entrepreneur can pick that book up. And I just have a client now who said he's read the book three times. Yeah, and he, and each time he f- he finds something new that he didn't know the first the first time he read the book, yeah. and it tells these these entrepreneurs what they need to do to in order to franchise their business. It's, and I make it very simple. I don't, and it's in. I'm, I'm not going to say plain English because it is, and and you could read it in, in two or three hours and be done and, and be through the book, and not fall asleep reading it. Mm-hmm. I agree. I read it several times. I have it sitting on my desk. Every time somebody calls me and says, you know, they find me on the internet or whatever, and they're like, hey, could you help me? You know, I want to franchise my business. I'm like, first read this book and then contact the author. And I think it's just so well done. Thank you. Is it on Amazon? Amazon? It's on Amazon. You can buy it on Amazon, yes. Okay. And and Adine, again, is is the co-author, right? So she's great. I know her just from around, you know, Long Island. Right. She writes for, she's right for Newsday. She's excellent writer. Yeah. Yeah. She's really good. I like what she does. You know, it's funny when people call me and they're like, I want to franchise my business. And I ask why. And a lot of times they say, wow, can you imagine I'm going to sell like a hundred franchises and the franchise fee is 50,000. I'm going to make so much money. <laughs> and and I, right, I giggled just like you. What's your take on that? Are are franchise companies making money on the franchise fee? Not initially. It's really in the beginning, it covers your expenses. And, you know, I've read some statistics. It costs between seven to $10,000 to sell a a franchise in terms of marketing expense and Mm -hmm. what goes into it. So 
until you hit maybe the first, you know, I would say 10 to 15, then you start making money because then you really know what you're doing and it gets easier. So right. your economy of scales are, are a lot, a lot better. In the beginning, don't expect to make mon- the money up front. The real money is in the royalties. Because when you right. charge 5 or 6% of gross revenue, you start doing the math, it really comes out to be significant. I mean, look at Subway. They've got, I think, 35,000 locations. They pay, you know, 6%. Their average volume is, I think now it's like four or $500,000. You do those numbers, that's staggering. Right. Yeah, it, it is staggering. And, and that, but it's long term, right? I yes. mean, they say that, you know, you got to get to royalty. I forget what the words they use, but you got to get to about 100 franchised units to be just living on the royalty income. And you don't have to sell any franchises at that point. So, like, there's a tipping point somewhere in there around there's, 100 there, franchises. There's a, there's a critical mass. If your unit volumes are decent, and you're doing, and you have 10 or 15 and you go for, I mean, you could make some money. The real money though, is when you start coming up with the 25 and 30 and 50 who are out there operating, then you really start right. making money, but you have to have patience because it doesn't happen overnight. And some franchisors are, are, are not patient, but if you're mm-hmm. patient, it'll come to you. Yeah, no, there's no question. And, and I feel that long-term, you know, what I tell people is when you're looking at franchising, you know, it's okay to have kind of a smaller upfront franchise fee and a large royalty because that means they're really committed to you for the long term. They're, they're not looking to just make a lot of money upfront. That's right. Then that's a good thing. And and people often f- say to me, well, you know, I don't want to pay royalties. Why do I have to pay these guys, you know, 5% or, you know, when you really put in all the different things is, you know, I, I rounded up to 10% of, of gross sales. How, how, what do you feel about that? the royalties. You know, look, the franchisees usually complain and bitch and moan about paying the royalties. But the reality is, and this is the bulk of the franchise systems out there, they, they get service, they get updates, they get handholding, they get training, they get the use of the name. People don't realize that, that that's got value to it. You know, the trademarks are important and Sbarro had a name and Subway has a name. The newer companies, they can't have that much because they're brand new, but they do all the other things. I know one company that has a six-week training program. I mean, there's great value. And and when I used to do seminars about whether you should franchise your business or not, and somebody says, well, why do I have to spend all all that money to to get into the franchise game? And we'll talk about that later. It's not as much as they think. But let me ask you a question. If you become Joe's Pizza where are you getting your equipment and, and who's doing the, the recipes and who's doing all this stuff for you? Whereas if you're a brand and you're, you've got a brand out there, the, the franchisees are going to know where to get the equipment. They're going to know where to buy the sauce. They're going to know where to do everything because it's handed to them. That's exactly right. That's what you're paying for. It's a, you know, a business with training wheels. That's right. And that, you know, and if, if it's a good franchise and that, you know, I use the word good or, or great you know, purposefully because they're not, not all great. All. So I, I tell people and, and, you know, legally, I don't know if this is right. So correct me if I'm not correct on this, but really there's no laws or rules or regulations or benchmarks that say what business could be a franchise or not. You just need to go through the legal steps to, you know, get your FDD and, and all of that stuff. But anybody could just franchise anything. Is that right? The answer is you're correct. Whether they're successful or not, that's a different story. But 
in terms of anybody can get into the franchise game, sure. If you have a concept that you think can be duplicated, and this is important because, you know, some people think that if you notice the supermarkets, department store, they're not franchised. Okay. Gourmet restaurants are not franchised. You really have to have a, a business that other people can, can emulate and duplicate rather easily. Otherwise it doesn't pay. Cause then you, if you spend the money, it's going to fail. That's why the fast food guys have, have the easiest road because it's not rocket science to open up one of these systems. You know, mm-hmm. you, you get in uh, somebody to make the, make the, uh, the uh, hummus or, or the guacamole or, or make the pizza and you get the recipes from the franchisor and, and you're in business. But a gourmet restaurant, you need a gourmet chef and there are not a lot of them out there. You know, right. and, and the supermarkets, their margins are razor thin. So nobody's going to make any money if they do it themselves. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There are, there's no law that says whether a company can franchise or not. The laws are there to tell the company how to franchise and what laws have to be followed in order to roll out a program. To really, to really sell, I think. You know, Basically, I, I think it's, correct. Right. I mean, it's all about not having, uh, you know, a pyramid scheme or some right. kind of scam, trying to prevent that as well. Well, that's why, that's why the Federal Trade Commission got into the franchise world back in 1971 when they were told about all the abuses going on. And to digress a minute, 60 Minutes back, in, I think it was 1969 or 68, did a show on a company called Wild Bill's Barbecue Chain based in Seattle. And it was a Ponzi scheme. They took people's money and they had nothing to, to give them. They didn't train them. They didn't do anything. They just took uh-huh. fees in and they ran away. And that, that woke up the uh, government and the government said, you know, we have to do something to, to curtail these abuses. And they created the franchise uh, disclosure law back in 1979. California was the first state in 71 to have a law that says you can't sell franchises in the state of California unless you get registered first. Hmm. The registration states. <laughs> right. And there are 15 of those. 15 states now. And I, I think maybe more to come. Maybe, but you know what? I don't know. Maybe. I hope not for the franchisor's sake, but we'll see. You know, back mm. in the day, I used to advocate that the federal government, instead of having it be just a disclosure law, there really should have been a registration, a federal registration law, like with the SEC, where you have to register your IPO before you could go out and sell stock. Well, I was yep. hoping that they would do that with the FTC, but they never did. Huh. That would be a great yeah, idea. Yeah, but they didn't uh-huh. have the money and they didn't have the budget and they said, let the states worry about it. No, okay. Makes sense, you know, in that respect. So what do you think the future of franchising is? I think the future of franchising is is, is always going to, you know, it's funny. When we had the recessions, franchising did better than when the economy was, was booming. Because mm-hmm. during the recession, a lot of people were laid off. A lot of people needed jobs. They couldn't get jobs. So what do they do? They went into their own business. What's the easiest way to get into your own business? Buy a franchise. It makes it easier to own a business when you buy a franchise. There's no question about it. We talked about that earlier. You get trained. You get your sources of materials. All you have to do is operate it. And during the recessions, franchisors did very well. So I don't see franchising going down at all. I keep seeing it going up, actually. Yeah, I see it expanding tremendously. And the other thing that I'm noticing a lot of is the amount of private equity money oh. and venture capital coming into franchising. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. And it's like all of a sudden they all woke up. They all woke <laughs> up. And that's right. And you know what else is getting very uh, big in franchising? International companies who want to come into the U.S. They've mm-hmm. maxed out in their country. And they said, you know what? Let's go to the U.S. Look how many we could do in America. So I've been seeing a lot of companies from Asia, particularly Korea, actually, uh, and Japan coming into the U.S. To, to, to franchise their businesses here in the U.S. It's amazing. And they're coming in from Canada. They're coming in from all over because the market is still is so huge. You know, the Canadian companies, their market is so limited. They said, you know what? We've all sold out in Canada. Where are we going next? Well, let's go south. We'll go to America. Yeah. Make, I mean, that makes sense. And, and do you see certain kind of concepts coming in or is it just like across the board? It's across the board. I mean, you, you get a lot of the QSRs, you get a lot of ethnic stuff now when you get the international food coming in. It's a mm-hmm. very ethnic. I'm also seeing a lot more medical deals getting franchised. Doctors, dentists, chiropractors, physical therapists, they're all getting into the franchise business. I noticed that myself. There's a chiropractic franchise out there. And when I go into a town and I get bent out of shape from being on a plane, I'll go into that place because mm-hmm. there's, you know, they don't take insurance or anything. You just pay right. as you go. Right. And, and there's never a wait. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's, I think you're talking about, it's called The Joint. Yeah. And they're based in Arizona. I, I've heard of it. Yeah. They've got yeah. a bunch. Yes. Yes. I am a frequent user, although we don't have one on Long Island, which is interesting. No, we don't. No. We do not. So what I wanted to also touch on before we hang up on on the podcast here is, you know, aside from, you know, the future and and all of that stuff, if you're sitting here listening to this podcast and you have a company you want to franchise, you need a franchise attorney to do it. What do you look for in a good franchise attorney? Somebody who's been doing it for a long time, somebody who specializes in the area, and we call them dabblers who maybe have done one company or two you want somebody who's been in the game for, for a number of years. You know, somebody once told me you hire young doctors and old lawyers. And, and that's true because young lawyers don't know the, what's going on out of law school. Yeah, maybe they stepped into a law firm and said, oh, you learned this like I did 42 years ago. But, you know, when you have the experience of having represented hundreds and hundreds of franchise companies, you get to know a little bit. So, yeah, yeah you got to look for a lawyer who's been around not somebody who's been doing it for a year or two. That's very important. Yeah, well said. And and someone who knows every angle of franchising and has owned franchises themselves is a, a good thing. Not to uh, biasly um, promote you, but but I think you'd, the the thing that that I hear from your clients as as I talk to people is that you're you're fair. Your pricing is fair. Every, you know, you just are fair and you, and you do a thorough good job and and that's why people come back and people fly in for your meetings and all of that so i think it's a good thing my i've learned over the years that that clients and entrepreneurs and i learned this from mario sabaro they don't like to be billed by the hour they don't want to be billed for every minute they don't want to be billed for every email although back in the day there were no emails in those days it was faxes they used to get billed for uh, <laughs> what's a fax i know right <laughs> but entrepreneurs don't like that so when I tell them it's a fixed fee and you don't pay by the hour, they say, really? Every lawyer charges by the hour. Well, I don't. Hmm. And that's why my billing is fair because they could use me as long as they, and it's for many hours and not pay for it. They pay right. the same amount every month. Yep. Yep. You build relationships with your folks. That's, that's, that's where right. I see at the meetings. Yeah, absolutely. What is one myth about franchising that you'd like to bust right here, right now? You know, 
I get on the phone with some people and say, oh, it's going to cost me $500,000 to get into franchising. I said, where'd you get that from? Oh, I was told that. Well, the answer is that's ridiculous. It doesn't cost that much. And when you read my book, you can get into franchising for under $100,000, maybe even less, depending on who you use. And you could be out there franchising your business for a pretty inexpensive, it'll, it'll cost you less to franchise your business and to build your next location. Hmm. So when I tell a food company, would you rather put up a unit for $750,000, another one, or roll out a franchise program for under a hundred? They say, hmm, that's an interesting concept. Let's franchise. Of course. Why would you, sp- why would you do that? Right. And, and I think, you know, one variation on a definition of franchising is, you know, essentially using other people's money to build your brand. I mean, that's, that's right. That's, that's really exactly what it, what it is. Yeah. Oh, you bet it is. Mm-hmm. And it's not a, you know, it's not a bad thing because everybody wins if it's, if it's a good franchise and it's well built and, and, you know, there's the right leadership at the helm of, of the new franchise. And there's companies out there that help people build their franchise. And so when people, when companies, young companies, emerging franchisors hire these firms, that makes me feel good because it's, they're, they're not saying, oh, I know it all. I mean, I know what, what they should say is I know it all about how to do what we do, but I don't know everything about franchising and how to support mm-hmm. a franchisee across the country and, and all of that stuff. So, so I think that is a, a great thing. And, and, but in addition, I think when you're starting a franchise, when you're going to franchise your business, you know, it's starting a new business. And just like in any business, you need, you know, the capital to open up and then you need the capital to grow it. You need what, what I call a second bucket of money to, you know, pay staff because you, you, now you need a sales team. So, so you need mm-hmm. some money for that. And you're going to have to market, like you're saying, it's somewhere around $10,000. And I, the numbers I heard were actually higher than that to acquire a, a franchisee. So you got to, you know, I think you need some money you know, on the back end after you open. Well, that, that's right. Uh, I'm only, my, my numbers are only on the front end. On the, yes, you need to have a budget for your marketing. And and by the way, you know, things have changed. Back in, in the 70s and 80s, the only way to sell franchises was in the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times print. Mm. We didn't have the internet and we didn't have social media. It's a lot less expensive these days to, to be selling franchises via social media and the internet than it used that's to be. Right. So it, people, franchisors today are spending, I think, less in marketing than they used to because the, the dollars are, are much lower than they were back then. I agree. Absolutely. And I mean, in any business, franchised or not, there's not been a better time to be in business. But I also feel that, you know, it's, it sounds, you know, very bias coming from me. But, but if you're starting, you know, if you want to own a business, the best thing to do is start with a franchise. You, you know, like, again, to use Michael Gerber's e-myth analogy, uh, you know, you could be the best at whatever it is that you do, but you don't know business. And and that's why so many mm-hmm. things fail so quickly, according you know, to the Small Business Administration. Most businesses go out of business in the first year or two. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's like crazy. You know? and, and in franchising, it's, you know, the longevity is there and, and, and the proof is in the pudding, especially these days. You know, serious franchising now has been going on for 40 years. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of data to look at. So Absolutely. I really appreciate you being on, Harold. This is really oh. great. Just chock- We could do like seven more hours. I'm I, sure. I mean, you have me on again. I'll be happy to do it. This is great. It's terrific. I sit my, in front of my computer and I could talk all day. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we will do more for sure. We will do actually 
some specific topics. We'll we'll figure out like whatever is the free, like the three most frequently asked questions. We'll mm-hmm. do a podcast on each one of those separately. That'll be a great idea. Absolutely. Well, cool. Again, how could people get in touch with you? My email address is hkestenbaum at hlkpc.com. And my phone number is 516-745-0099. My web address is franchiseattty.com. That's great. Harold, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And we will talk to you soon. Tom, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration.